Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. the two o'clock hour on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ playing hurt. Didn't know if Wes was gonna make it today. <laughs> I was gonna make it. I just didn't know how good I was gonna sound today. Probably not great, but I've actually held it together for the most part. I think I've probably had three or four mic turnoffs as I needed to adjust the voice in order to be able to get through this show. But Scotty Pippen over there running the ones and twos. He's been carrying That's right. carrying your two Michael Jordans here on That's Wesson right. Walker. You can follow us on our Twitter page at Wesson Walker. I always forget how to spell it though. How do they spell it, Wes? W E S A N D W A L K E R. Follow us, man. Uh, at the five hundred follow, we'll uh, cash app you a million dollars. I can't laugh. That sounded like it hurt. Did you that that laugh? Whoo! I'm sorry. Yes, but you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter at Wes and Walker. Um, I did have some breaking news come in on my Twitter timeline. Thank you. Oh. Right on cue with it. It's official. Max Olson of the Athletic tweets out that DJU has officially entered the transfer portal as a grad transfer. He'll be playing quarterback for a different collegiate team next year. What do you make of the decision for DJU, Wes? How surprised are you? Not only just from what we've seen in the last 24 hours, because having him lose that game against the North Carolina, or excuse me, having him lose that job against the North Carolina Tar Heels, Kate Klubnick comes in, not too surprising to see after that fact. But what if I would have told you, even before the Syracuse contest, that DJU would eventually transfer to a different program how surprised would that Wes Bryant be if I told you all the way back then? I would be very surprised because the way things looked after his freshman year when he came in and played the way he played against Boston College and then played the way he played at Notre Dame when he lit up a very good Notre Dame defense, I felt that, you know, he was next in line. He was going to be the next great Clemson quarterback and then Clemson was turning into QBU. And I, I can't front, man, my mom called it. She said, when coming into that season, she did not think he was going to be that good. She said that he was playing with house money when he had Trevor, and now that the pressure was on, he was not going to be the same quarterback. And I'd be damned if it didn't happen that way. But back then, after especially after the Notre Dame game, mm-hmm. it looked like it was just going to be wash, rinse, repeat. Trevor Lawrence leaves. DJU enters. They're back in the college football playoffs and probably win a national championship with him at the helm. That's how talented it seemed like that he was and that this Clemson team was going to be with him at the helm after having two generational prospects. He seemed like the third one. So to think back then that it would end this way, definitely quite surprising. Uh, Somebody wrote in the text line, 704-570-9610, the Garage Door Guru text line. Walker, did you just refer to yourself and Wes as Michael Jordans. If that's the case, then Fitty is Dr. J. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's he, fine. We'll he, he, can, he can be Dr. J, but that doesn't mean he's the GOAT like Wes and Walker, although he probably is. If he's the station, then he goat probably does have to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan. Let's tra- uh, continue to talk about some of these college football quarterbacks. 
that had some meltdowns on championship weekend? I'll pose this question to you, Wes. Who had the bigger meltdown? Was it Caleb Williams? Was it Drake May? Or was it Max Duggan, who still made the college football playoff? Mm -hmm. And we'll get to some of the reaction as the week goes on, too. But which one of those three quarterbacks had the bigger championship meltdown? Oh, man, it's tough because you look at Caleb Williams' stats. He goes 363, three touchdowns and a pick, and you're like, man. But that was not the case. I feel like there's a lot of empty calories in there, and a lot of that stuff came early. They struggled. Whether it was the offensive line at times breaking down or whatever the case may be, Utah was down 17-3. I'm thinking, man, this game is, you know, USC's about to route them. Like I said, and I said, I got to stop saying teams are going to get routed because right. it goes the opposite direction. And then Utah just came back and just took the game completely over. I mean, I said that Caleb Williams, the way he was getting hit towards the end of that game, it looked like Willie Beeman <laughs> in the rain game when he told him, y'all not going to block, get the bleep out the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I got to go with Caleb Williams because, in my opinion, a lot of people felt that USC was going to win that game, that USC was going to get to the playoffs, that Caleb Williams had the Heisman on lock, especially he does the Heisman pose. He was stupid enough to write bleep Utah on oh, his nails. That's amazing. Which kind of points to his focus. Where was his focus at? But for him to do the Heisman pose and everything about it, the way they started that football game, you thought USC was on their way to the playoffs. And for him to end the game crying, Walking off the field like he did, I have to go with Caleb Williams because in my eyes, he was the one that was going to get the job done, go to the playoffs, lock up the Heisman. Max Duggan, I expected TCU to lose. He did come battle back in that game, and he showed a lot of grit. Drake May, I thought Carolina would lose. I didn't expect Drake May to really light it up, and if they lost and he didn't play good, but there was not a ton on the line for Carolina except perhaps getting to the Orange Bowl. So I go Caleb Williams. Yeah, well, I mean, especially with all of the theatrics that Caleb Williams brought when right. you talked about, you know, the disparaging of Utah with him, yes. you know, excited to win the Heisman. And speaking of the Heisman Trophy. Who in the hell who is going to win it? Who wants it? Isn't that crazy? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I expected Caleb Williams to walk away with this thing. And I still think there was enough damage done by Caleb Williams where he still is going to be the favorite. But that was always my argument for Drake May. After the loss against Georgia Tech, when people decided to write him off, there were still quarterbacks that were not taking the world by storm, except for Caleb Williams, right? C.J. Stroud would eventually struggle against Michigan. Blake Corum would get injured. Max Duggan and his stats, if you go look them up, there were some games, plenty of games this year, where it wasn't the wow, eye-popping type of stats that you would expect from a Heisman-winning quarterback. I eventually still think Caleb Williams is going to win this award. It does feel like we're going to be, not with a bad taste in our mouth after all of this, but it's not like I can point to some and say that was their Heisman moment, right? Mm -hmm. Hendon Hooker probably gave us the closest thing to a Heisman moment this entire year. Yeah. And Hendon Hooker's not going to win it because of his injury at the end of the season. Yeah, they said DraftKings Sportsbook did not change after conference championship weekend despite USC dropping out of the top four. So they said they felt like you, that Caleb Williams did enough in the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know. I guess, you know, call me prison of the moment. I guess I just feel like even though his numbers look good, but I know some of it was empty calories. They had some they had some really rough possessions down the stretch with him throwing the interception, the sacks that he took. And I guess like, man, is that the lasting image that we want to have of the Heisman Trophy winner? I guess I just get caught up right. in the fact of, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner is supposed to leave me with this grand impression of something spectacular that he did en route to winning the award. Like we talked about with Desmond Howard with the Heisman pose or 
a player going to a conference championship and lighting it up and just really etching their name on that trophy. And I guess for Caleb Williams, seeing him going off crying, getting blasted in a championship game is not the way I expected the Heisman Trophy winner to look coming into this award. But if you want to go, he's going to win it by default. Yeah, I, I, th- I remember Ramona Shelburne talking about who deserves to win the MVP uh, a couple of years ago. And she was discussing the narrative portion of how that would affect your voting. And she got destroyed for the narrative side of stuff, right? Because it really should be who is the best NBA basketball player at that time. I don't want to get into the semantics of what most valuable means, right? Ultimately, it is kind of supposed to go to who is the best that year, who has the best season, whatever. She went with narrative being a big part as to why you give this award to somebody. And I don't think so necessarily in the NBA. Some of that is true, but also stats have to matter. It's interesting because Heisman moment has come synonymous with narrative when trying to give that award to a college football player. And you're not going to have that this year. Think about it with Caleb Williams. I don't know if there is that type of moment to go give it to him unequivocally so. Is there one? I mean, Fiddy, you can look at me side-eyed, but this last game, I don't, I mean, does that not at least balance out what Heisman moment he would have had, especially getting bounced from college football playoff contention? Did you watch that run he had in the first quarter? Where he should have been sacked for an eight-yard loss this game? and turned into a 60-yard gain? You're talking about this game that he lost. Yeah, he, he threw for 300. <laughs> they didn't lose because of him. He was playing on one leg. Okay. They, they lost because their defense got manhandled in the second half. Yeah, but he had some drives or, in that second half. He should they, still be the Heisman winner, and it really shouldn't be a question. I, I don't think it's really going to be a question either, but you can't call that run a Heisman moment. How can you not? That was, he was, that was the best play of the moment by the best player at that moment in the game i i would love to go back look at all the heisman winners look at a run in a beat down by 20 and say that's when that guy won it this is not johnny manzel beating alabama this is not joe burrow throwing all over the yard against the crimson tide you're trying to give me an impressive run and a loss in the pac-12 championship defeating their purpose to actually get to the college football playoff. Like Mm. I agree with you, Caleb Williams should win the Heisman, but goodness gracious, man, that's the worst Heisman moment in Heisman history. If you're trying to sell that to me, this is quite an impressive run. I I did not get in on this game until 17, three. I was at Christmas at Davidson, you know, with the misses, but I did not see the beginning. But this run is quite impressive. Oh, I mean, I don't know if it's a Heisman moment, but it's quite impressive. Which is the, my only argument. But I did see the majority of this game. I, I, I didn't see this. Caleb Williams isn't going to have competition in this thing, I don't think. I, I mean, I don't think Drake May did enough. Certainly, it, you can't have three of those games. I thought there was still a shot after Georgia Tech. But after NC State, after Clemson, just no way. C.J. Stroud against Michigan, no way. We talked about the stats with Duggan. Ultimately, it leaves you with Caleb Williams as that guy. But, man, they'll show that on the highlight reel, and it'll be really impressive. But to call it that type of moment, I just can't do it. Now, I do want to go to Drake May once more, where he certainly didn't have any Heisman moment this season because he's not even going to get to New York City, in my opinion. We'll see. But, man, really bad three games from North Carolina football. And we've talked about North Carolina basketball and how they've dropped every single game against the power five opponents. Fiddy, I will ask you as the resident heels fan, do you come away more disappointed with the way Carolina football finished the season? Or are you more disappointed with the way Carolina basketball starting the season? It's gotta be Tar Heel football because you had a chance to have maybe your best season in program history. You were sitting there at nine and one 
with two home games against backup quarterbacks with a chance to go into 11-1. and And think about everything that happened those last two weeks of the regular season. And then what happened this weekend and championship weekend. Had Carolina entered 11-1 and and they would have beaten Clemson, they would have probably won them won their way into a comfortable playoff berth, but it didn't happen. Instead, you lose at home back-to-back weeks to teams with backup quarterbacks. And then you go and you, you compete the first quarter and a half for a conference championship. They were in the game. And then it was like the second adversity hit. They, they weren't tough enough to fight through it. And then they just got absolutely walked off the field. It's got to be Tar Heel football because Carolina basketball can can still salvage what's been a rather disappointing start to a season that was filled with hope and expectation. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. It's it's the fact that you can't salvage anything here anymore. Even a bowl win against Oregon is not going to erase everything that happened well, for North Carolina's finish. It's not going to erase what happened at the end, right? I mean, look, it would secure double-digit wins, which doesn't happen here very often, and you would have some sort of momentum entering the recruiting part of the transfer portal, signing day, and then as finding something to build off of going into next year. Does Oregon salvage what happened at the end of the regular season for North Carolina heading into championship weekend? Uh, I tend to agree with Fiddy on that. I mean, as far as like he said, for recruiting purposes and to be able to say that you had a 10-win season when not a lot of people, myself included, thought Carolina would have 10 wins this season. And you beat a program like Oregon, and yeah, they faltered against Oregon State uh, down the stretch, but this was still a team that was in the college football playoff hunt uh, for the better part of the second half of the season. So I think that's a quality win for Carolina and a positive note to end on. All right, we'll see. Uh, you can text in 704-570-9610. Do you think North Carolina's season, the ending of it, could be a little salvaged if they weren't able to win this bowl game against the Oregon Ducks? We'll go back to the Carolina Panthers. They've named Sam Darnold as the starter and P.J. Walker as the backup. Is that how it should be? We'll get to that in just a moment. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Couple more segments to go on Wes and Walker before Kyle Bailey takes over. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. You can text into the Garage Door Guru text line 704 570 9610. Now, this one I can get a little bit more on board with when we're talking about the Heisman moment for Caleb Williams. Somebody wrote in Caleb Williams' UCLA game was his Heisman moment. He had over 500 yards of scrimmage. He was amazing in that contest. The Trojans did win. They were in the top four after that victory. So I can get on board with that a little bit more than the run in the loss to Utah. Somebody else wrote in. They keep wanting us to make sure that we mention this stat, so I'm going to mention it. Somebody said Baker has more INTs than Sam. Then they corrected themselves saying interceptions. Hey, Weston Walker, Baker Mayfield has more interceptions than Sam Darnold. I guess that was because you said Sam Darnold throws a lot more interceptions, right? It was earlier on. Yeah, I didn't but, I don't know that I said that. Well, you that. said he throws a lot of interceptions. And I know yeah. this has been some type of correction from a few people, right? It's the fact that when we talk about the turnover worthy mm-hmm. plays, 
Sam Darnold had a lot more of that last year than Baker did this year. At the end of the day, Baker does have six touchdowns total and six interceptions total. Like Mm -hmm. you had the bad turnover games from Sam a little bit more so than what you did with Baker. It's honestly why Baker, I think, was able to keep his job for so long. It's because he didn't have this disastrous turning the football over to the other team game, right? He never had the Nathan Peterman contest where he had five and a half and then eventually have to take that job away from him. That will camouflage enough bad play for you to keep your job, I think, in the game more so. And eventually Baker was able to keep it until Sam Donald comes in and starts because he's finally healthy enough. Now Baker Mayfield is going to uh, play for a different type of uh, different type of team. So we'll see where Baker Mayfield ends up. I know Wes is dying for him uh, not to be a San Francisco 49er. They did just sign Josh Johnson, a member of team. Keep getting those checks. So Sam Darnold going to be starting the rest of the way. P.J. Walker, the backup QB. Now you could perhaps see P.J. Walker start again, of course, if there's an injury to Sam Darnold or if Sam struggles, which is certainly within the question, too. But ultimately, Wes, do you think Sam Darnold starts um, pretty much all the games, maybe you know, certainly most of them over P.J. as we go forward? Uh, I think if he's healthy, he should. I mean, that high ankle sprain with P.J., we, st- we are still not sure, and it depends a lot on how Sam Darnold plays. Now, I think that this weekend is going to be huge for him going on the road playing against a Seattle team in that environment that – you know, that run game could be taken away from him, and we're going to get to see where he's really at in his development because I still think Sam Donald is, a, you know, just a high turnover guy, not a guy that you can trust. Yeah, Sam Donald is not going to be someone that will play well enough to keep that quarterback job going forward. But can he play well enough for Carolina to possibly be an NFC South contention. They're going up against the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. Geno Smith and company, they had a hell of a drive in order to win that game against the LA Rams, but still not a team that maybe was playing as well when the season started. Um, Still impressive the way the Pete Carroll, Geno Smith have been able to turn around that NFL team. So those are just a couple of texts I wanted to address before we move on to another pretty interesting topic. So as we've seen some of these coaches, some of these players leave their universities in the transfer portal or just decide to go take a different job, Deion Sanders is someone who is deciding to go to Colorado. And there was a video surfacing of Deion Sanders addressing the Buffalo program. Fiddy, we do have that soundbite, I believe, from Deion, where here he is telling current, yes, current Colorado players that maybe it might be time to head to the portal. We got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. And it's Louie. It ain't going to be no more of the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get here, it's going to be changed. So I want y'all to get ready to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're going to get. Because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids that are smart. Say that smart. Smart. Tough. I don't know what to do with this. Wes, if you're in that locker room or in that film, the theater or whatever, right? The film room Mm -hmm. where Deion Sanders is addressing the team and you are a member of the Colorado football program, what's going through your mind as a player? Well, for one, I wouldn't have repeated anything that he said. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, you you will catch me deadpan if the camera focuses on me. First of all, sorry, but you're not going to come and tell me as a D1 player in a Power 5 program that HBCU players are Louis 
luggage. Okay, that ain't gonna happen. Now I know your son is good and all that, but they haven't proven anything on that level yet. They haven't played at the Power Five, Pac-12 level yet. So don't come in there talking about oh it's Louis luggage. I think that's absolutely ridiculous that he will go in and deliver that kind of message. Most coaches they weed guys out by coming in, making things very difficult in the beginning to see who can adapt to their program. But Dion's coming in there very arrogant and. You know, this is a whole different level of football. This ain't the swag, my G. This is Pac-12 football. So you coming in there arrogant, acting like that you about to get this great team together and the guys that you bring in are these special players and stuff like that. You better show and prove because he's digging himself a hole already doing stuff like that. To call them Louie is hilarious. Ridiculous. Some of it is hilarious to just to just watch. But, yeah, I you got to deliver now. Because this is going to be on freezing cold takes a couple yeah. of years from now if it goes horribly, horribly wrong for Deion Sanders in that football program. What'd you make of the move there, Fitty, for Deion to move from Jackson State to uh, Jacksonville State, excuse me, to uh, Colorado? Yeah, I, I don't think he's lying because Colorado sucks. Their players <laughs> suck. I think you put Jackson State on the same field as Colorado, they beat them and they beat them rather handedly. And I have nothing, I have nothing wrong with him because that's who he is. And the, it's not him being fake. He he believes in who he is, the players that he took to Jackson State, the guys he's going to now take with him to Colorado. And that's frankly what that program needs. They need someone like that that's going to be brutally honest with them, that's going to be up front to, to try to make that fan base, that student body care because no one really cares about Colorado football anymore. But Deion Sanders has the ability to get them back to being somewhat real. This was a program in the 90s that was as good as any program in the country. You can win there with the right guy. Maybe that maybe that is Dion. and I thought he got off to the ground running uh, with the way he introduced himself to that team. Now, something else I didn't know about this is that, Wes, you have some Twitter beef with Dion, some documented Twitter beef. When you guys went at it about a year ago, can you enlighten us on the Twitter beef you have? Yeah, so when he was on uh, I Am Athlete with Brandon Marshall them, and, you know, he got on there, man, and it was just a lot of grandstanding stuff I didn't like. I get you politicking for your program, but when he got on there being condescending towards kids who go to Power Fives and talking about, oh, I don't want nobody, want it easy and, and all that stuff, and I want them, you know, over here with us. I want the ones who like it tough, who like it hard and all this stuff. And he was just, like I said, just really being condescending. If his message had been different to where he'd have been like, look, you know, I got something going over here. I know the Lord of the power fires, but I got something I'm building. I want y'all to come with me. Just believe in me. That's cool. But to get on there and be condescending towards kids when you, for one, went to a, uh, you know, a power five school. And then you're saying that you keep changing things around to fit your narrative to where he's like, oh, I, I didn't think about an HBCU because, uh, they didn't recruit me like that. Come on, man. The dude that was sitting there with the Jerry curl and eight chains on and all that stuff watching the draft, you telling me he going to entertain a HBCU if he was coming out today or even back then? It's nonsense. And I just hate these coaches. They act like politicians. They get up there and just say whatever. And that was my problem with him. And then he gets on there and he's like, oh, I got time today. How are you going to tell a man what he would do and this, that, and a third? And then I kept tweeting at him and then his little minions came in and was coming at me and, and <laughs> talking all this nonsense. Like it was one guy came on there that um, he I could see in his thing that he played basketball. And I said, he told me that he would have chosen HBCU of anything. I said, dog, I see you play basketball, right? I said, you telling me if Kansas and Duke have recruited you, you turning them down for HBCU? 
of course, to fit his narrative <laughs> and to go with that. Yeah, I'd have turned it down my pants with that bull-ish, okay? Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. And that was my problem with him. And so now we see what time it really was. He's trying to soften the blow, saying, oh, I want to get my coaches more money and stuff like that. It's nonsense. He went to Jackson State in the first place because he couldn't get a Power 5 job. Now that he's got one, he's going to strip that school of all their good players. That HBCU football stuff is done as far as guys going there and wanting to be different. And I told him when I tweeted out to take the job, I was like, you got time for me today? Because I was like, you know what I'm saying? You was talking a whole different message last year. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to Colorado. You're going to take Travis Hunter with you. You're going to take Shador. And I told him, I said, I would love to hear <laughs> what you would say to a recruit now if they told you they wanted to go to Jackson State or HBCU over Colorado. I would love to hear those comments you would make because there's going to be some negative recruiting, and I just think he's full of it. Well, and even Deion Sanders in a 60-minute interview that he had, he discussed that he would absolutely entertain a Power 5 job offer. And – the fact is, of course he would, but now it's coming from Colorado, right? It's not even coming from an Auburn, which maybe that would be so much of a mountain of money talking about the type of prestige that the Auburn Tigers can bring. Right. I mean, that would be, okay, I understand how hard that is to turn down. But even Colorado, which maybe it had history a while back in the 90s or something like that, but it's been a long time since they've had that type of history. As Deion Sanders mentioned in the soundbite, 20 years that the fans have been looking to get back to those types of days. And that's the job that he goes to yeah like i understand how that hits a little bit different he did admit to entertaining that job and eventually he took it as soon as he got that kind of job offer from the colorado buffa i uh, mean buffs you know i can see that to an extent but the fact of the way you made it sound when you went to jackson state saying how he wanted to come to make a change for his people and he was doing it for the culture and because of the george floyd stuff and all that so don't tell me that and you're gone after three years when you're making it sound like you're there for a specific cause and a specific reason. He didn't say in his introductory press conference at Jackson State, this is a stepping stone job, and I'm just here for a couple of years until I get the Power 5 offer that I wanted in the first place, but I just came to y'all because I couldn't get one. Well, this- he was talking about, oh, it's for the culture, and it's for George Floyd, and I want to do something for my people. No, it's not, because if it was, you'd still be there. Well, and this is why I like the transfer portal as it is. Because it's not about whether it's good for college football or not. It's about what's good for the kids that go there. And because you have all of this type of messaging from coaches that it's all going to be a little fabricated when you're trying to enhance the program in which you coach. And so when you get all of this type of narrative or rhetoric that is being spewed in your living room when you're deciding what college you want to go to attend. And then you have to sit out a year if you want to transfer because it wasn't exactly what was told of you by the coach who doesn't ever have to sit out a year if he decides to go take a different job. I'm just glad the co- the, the players do have something to combat that now. Mm-hmm. So when coaches want to discuss, oh, it's so easy for kids to transfer and these kids don't want to put in the work and it's not exactly how I was back in the day. Like Mm -hmm. this is why though, because now that you're in a position of power where you're getting offered all of this money and then you can go to a different job. Now these players get to decide what's best for them and it's an equal playing field on that matter. No, they're not making as much money as you are as the coach of that institution, but they at least have the opportunity to go somewhere else to what is best suited for what they think it is. Maybe it's not, but they get the right to make that choice just like that coach did. Because I'll tell you this, when we talk about coaches you know, deciding to leave different programs, but those same coaches say, well, these kids don't know what's good for them. Man, there have been plenty of coaching decisions 
that have been wrong in hindsight, where if you could have just stayed at the previous program and still rattled off a couple of winning seasons, you decided to move because you thought you were better than that. Nah, man, they thought so. You thought so. But it turned out to be a wrong decision for you, too. Yep. But you got the freedom to make that choice. Yep. Fitty, cue up the music. Cue up the, cue up the alert. As of four hours ago, we missed this one, but they didn't have it in the big uh, thing with all the other transfers. But Travis Hunter, the five-star recruit who shocked the college football world by committing to Jackson State over Florida State, has made his transfer decision. He will be going to, surprise, Colorado. Oh, yeah. I've also got breaking news. Oh, Oh, yeah, let's go. Keep it coming, baby. As Ohio State wide receiver. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the guy who was most likely going to be the first wide receiver taken in the 2023 NFL draft. He's foregoing the college football playoff and is going to start preparing for the NFL draft. He did sign not being able to get back on the field that he is being advised to not play per doctors, but We've never seen this. Yeah. We, we've never seen a player sit out of the playoff to to pursue NFL dreams. I know this guy uh, has dealt with injuries this year, but that is a death blow to Ohio State's chances of knocking off Georgia in the college football playoff. Now, wait a minute. He said because he can't get back on the field, right? So the doctors told him not to try to play? or is he, that's what he was citing that. So, so Pete Thamel has a quote. From Jackson Smith Najigba, and it's this quote I was unable to come back on multiple occasions during the season, and the doctors determined I would be unable to participate in the playoffs. So, how much of this is his decision, and how much of this is him being legitimately hurt because he tried to come back on multiple occasions and it just wasn't good enough for him? What are your thoughts hearing that, Wes, where maybe there is some room for interpretation here on just how much it is his decision as well as doctor's decision? Well, in that case, if he truly can't play and he's hurt like that, which I'm not doubting that, Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I'm sure he may still be on the sideline or whatever the case may be. But if he can't play, he can't play. There's nothing he could do about that. So as his decision to go to the NFL, that's that's very interesting. I don't know if he will still, in fact, be the first receiver taken. We'll see. Um, but the fact that he was so banged up this year, I don't know how that's going to do uh, with this draft stock. But then you think about a guy like Jamar Chase who bypassed the whole year and came into the league and lit it up. As long as he runs well and has a great workout, I think he'll still be okay. But, yeah, you know, just to announce it now I think is a bit much. If you can't play, just why you can't hang out on the sidelines and be there and help out some of the other receivers and – that type of stuff and then make your announcement after the bowl game. So he injured his hamstring early in their season opener against Notre Dame, played just parts of two more contests, one against Toledo, one against Iowa. So he'll finish with just five receptions for 43 yards as that hamstring issue would continue as the season would go on. He would go on to talk more about it. He said, quote, it hurts. It's frustrating more than you could imagine. The season was tough and I did everything I could to help my team and get back on the field. Sometimes things don't work out how you planned, but my faith in God has given me the strength to focus on my health and the next challenge. He will not participate in the college football playoff based off his decision as well as doctor's decisions because of the injury. So there you go. Some more breaking news. A lot of it today as college football enters the playoff portion and the bowl season. Let's go to the last Fitty Flash of the day. What do you got, Fitty? Keep it coming. Some more breaking news coming from the Diamond where the Philadelphia Phillies fresh off 
making their first World Series since winning the the the, the, the championship in 2009. They have signed free agent shortstop Trey Turner to a deal, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan. I have not seen the numbers or the money that has been reported just yet, but that's a big loss to a Dodger lineup where uh, Trey Turner right now, arguably the best shortstop in all of baseball, only going to boost in or, or, or bolster the chances that the Phillies get back to the World Series. I did uh, want to touch on Monday Night Football really quickly, guys, tonight. Saints and Bucks. Um, I believe that game is in the or that game is in Tampa Bay. The five and six Bucks hosting the four and eight Saints. Atlanta lost yesterday. They're now five and eight. How do you see this game unfolding? Because I think we need we need New Orleans to win to help Carolina out. Well, New, New Orleans right now is where Carolina is essentially with their record. Tampa Bay has a better record as it stands currently. So either way, it's it's gonna. I mean, it's it's gonna kind of hurt in theory, but you still probably want New Orleans to win this game against Tampa. It's really who do you have more faith in going forward? Do you have more faith that the Saints can get more wins or Tampa? I would think most people even still would say Tampa, you have more faith in going forward. So you need every loss that you can get. You're probably pulling for New Orleans if you're a Panthers fan that wants to see this team in the playoffs. So we have seen the Saints defense have a lot of success against Tom Brady and company in Tampa Bay before. Maybe it happens again tonight on Monday Night Football. Tampa, a three-point favorite heading into this contest there at home. One more segment to go on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the last segment of Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate everybody listening. Continue to do so. Kyle Bailey Show coming up. Smoke Ludwig. Going to be helping Kyle Bailey as well as you hear some of his thoughts on championship weekend. Carolina releasing Baker Mayfield. The Panthers gearing up for their game this week after the bye against the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks, they certainly look vulnerable. Not an unbeatable team, but Geno Smith has done a good job with that franchise thus far. And he was able to lead them on a game-winning drive against the L.A. Rams. A disappointing season for sure for L.A. 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. If you want to get in some uh, photo finish text messages here at the end of Wesson Walker, it's time now for What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks dash club. Hornets versus Clippers tonight, 7 p.m., another home game. So it's at the Spectrum Center. Clippers also dealing with quite a few injuries. It's been the rare stretch of games that the Hornets have been at least in somewhat equal parts to their opponent as far as injury luck or lack thereof. Clippers going to be, I believe, without Kawhi Leonard in this matchup. Everybody on ESPN that's listed as out. It is Luke Kennard, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Norman Powell. So all those guys are listed as out as it currently stands. Four-point favorites are the Clippers on the road for them. What do you think, Wes? Do you think the Hornets can get it done tonight? Uh, I'm going to go with the Hornets tonight. I think they've been playing well. I think they can take advantage. And at what point are we going to stop acting like Kawhi Leonard? It's like, I know he won the championship in in Toronto and all that, but good Lord. I mean, he gets hurt sneezing too hard. He's always hurt. 
it's always hurt. Are we going to stop doing what with Kawhi? Though? I mean, like, just what stop you mean? gassing him. <laughs> like, he's this, like, ultimate, like, force type of player. He's always hurt. I mean, he, when he's on the floor, he's, he's really good, He's peanut though. brittle. Is he that... cross over too hard and pop a something. <laughs> <laughs> peanut brittle. Yeah. Is that the softest food you could come up with as far as... It's brittle. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. every right. time you look up, he's on the injury report for something. He is. Kawhi Leonard has been out for a long time. He's making a lot of skrilla. Um, What do you think, Fiddy? Do you think the Charlotte Hornets can get it done as four-point dogs against the Clippers? Dude, if they lose tonight, I mean, what do you even <laughs> have to say for yourself? <laughs> That the Hornets are also not very good right now because of their injuries. Like, 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 there's bad losses, and then there's whatever this would be at home to a team like, like the fact that Luke Kennard's a big part of what they do when he ain't playing. It tells you where the Clippers are right now. No, the Hornets should be able to win this game at Luke home. Big shade on Luke Kennard. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know why you would hate on Luke Kennard. Shooting that thing. Yeah, you know, played at Duke. I guess. He's a shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nick Wilson reincarnated over there. I mean, looking at this the lineup they started last night, they better handle business. All right. Jackson, Terrence, man, they better handle business. That's the thing, though. I mean, I, I don't have a ton of confidence right now with the Hornets because they still have a lot of guys that are going to be out of this game, too. It's still going to be no LaMelo, no Gordon Hayward is going to play, no Dennis Smith Jr. You do have Terry Rozier, who came back after he missed with the illness earlier. They did beat Washington. They couldn't take advantage of an injury-ridden Milwaukee Bucks team this last time out. It wasn't the second night of a back-to-back, though. It was against Milwaukee. It won't be tonight against the Clippers, so we'll see if they can take care of business at home. Time now to find out what happened on this day in sports history. What you got, Fiddy? Well, and in and, and, and keeping up the theme of championship week, and on this day in 1992, second-ranked Alabama beat number 15 Florida 28-21 in the first-ever SEC title game. Alabama's Antonio Langham intercepted a Shane Matthews pass. He returned at 27 yards for a touchdown with three minutes and 16 seconds left in the game. Real quickly, we obviously don't remember that because I was born in 1992. (laughs) Do you remember this live when it happened? Yeah, I remember that game. It was the first SEC championship game on that AstroTurf. I don't think we've Jackson. I don't think we've had the moment where you remember something live before we were really born. Yeah. So I think we just had okay. our first real OG moment yeah. here on this day in sports history. <laughs> All right, what's next, Vinny? And then lastly, on this day in 2012, Kobe Bryant scored 29 points, making him the fifth player in NBA history to score over 30,000 as the Lakers snapped a two-game uh, losing streak when they beat the then New Orleans Hornets. 103 to 87. So, unlike LeBron, a historical moment for Kobe Bryant, his legendary career, and he did so in winning fashion. <laughs> what is unlike LeBron? Uh, every time he does something of a milestone, mm-hmm. it's usually in a losing fashion. And then, yeah, that leads to him, you know, just saying things in press conferences that. Are wild. Okay, I was about to say, because the whole total points thing, I mean, LeBron James does have quite a bit of those points where he is past 30,000, too. Did you bother to do or even ask our research team to see when LeBron James passed 30,000 points to see if it was a winning effort, or did you just not bother to do that? No, because Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh weren't there to answer because they helped carry him to such a right. scoring plateau. Well, and after that, it was Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I mean, and even after that, it was all Anthony Davis with the Lakers. Pretty yeah. much, and that's a big... I mean, look... You the talking Lakers about that Asterix championship they won? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. They're they're eight and two in their last ten, and it's really because AD's become a bubble AD, and has nothing to do with LeBron, who's 
you know, LeBron. I was wondering what, what exactly LeBron James was. All right, time for the final take. Let's go to you, Fiddy, for the first final take as we ended here on Wesson Walker. You know, I thought coming into today's show would be something Carolina-oriented off the weekend that I had, but it's not going to be. I'll save another time and day to complain about them. Really proud of Steve Cohen and Billy Elfler, the way they have responded since losing Jacob DeGrom on Friday night, landing Justin Verlander is another sign and another step that this Mets franchise and its organization and its culture is heading in the right in the right direction. It'll be fun watching him and Max Scherzer on the mound next season in Queens. Final take, Wes, what you got? Kids, we don't give a damn about your transfer uh, you know, your transfer announcements, okay? We don't even know 75% of you. Okay. What about DJU? Are you going to... I can live with that. Dion's had some history. He's, okay. He's put some work in at Clemson. I meant to ask you that because he came out with the graphic. Yeah, I can, he came I can, out with the I message also. Some, you know, I can see that one. Um, I, I'd like to say, hey, man, we came into this show limping. We got the text last night from Wes Bryant saying he might not be able to make it because he had food poisoning. And then we got the text message this morning. He was good to go. I started feeling bad earlier this morning to the point where I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through this show without a ton of times I had to turn off the mic. Probably about a handful of times that I had to turn off the mic and I was coughing. Fiddy only gave me like one side eye look. So that's why we're the best. You guys got me out of the bed. Yeah, well, thank you, man. That makes that makes me really happy. Right. So my, my final take is just that. And Fiddy's got one more for you. It just makes me feel good. I can't get a woman out of the bed, but I can get my co-host or that's my right. show host out of the bed. That's I don't think right. you can get a woman in the bed, Fiddy. It's not about getting them out right now. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I'll do it. I can't laugh. Damn it. Almost, almost was able to make it. It's Wesson Walker. Keep it right here. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ for the Kyle Bailey Show coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig.